environmentalism, sustainable development, and the company of young Canadians. A conversation with Kevin Burchett about his new article in Papers in Canadian History and Environment. I'm Sean Karaj, and you're listening to Episode 70 of Nature's Past, a podcast of the Network in Canadian History and Environment. In the fourth article in Papers in Canadian History and Environment, which listeners can find at niche-canada.org slash piche, P-I-C-H-E, Kevin Burchette explores the role of the Company of Young Canadians in early environmental activism around issues that we might refer to today as sustainable development. The Company of Young Canadians was a federally sponsored youth program that operated from 1965 to 1977. As Burchette writes, the company was established by the Pearson Liberal government in 1965 to act as the foot soldiers in Canada's very own War on Poverty. The CYC also became involved in emergent environmental activism in the 1960s and 1970s. One CYC activist is even credited with naming Greenpeace. On this episode of the podcast, I speak with Kevin Burchette about this new article and the history of the CYC. So uh, this is uh, Kevin Burchette, um, uh, professor at the Royal Military College uh, of Canada. Um, my areas of interest are community development, both at home and abroad, um, and am almost finished the book on the Company of Young Canadians from which this um, article uh, draws upon research from that uh, larger manuscript. Okay, so Kevin, can you give listeners just a brief outline of your new article? So yeah, so it the the article began with a discovery that um, uh, a company of young Canadians volunteer who is featured in the piece, Bill Darnell, was responsible for giving um, Greenpeace, the huge and now globally renowned environmental action group, its name, and he also accompanied the organization's first active protest against uh, nuclear tests off the coast of Africa, Alaska. Uh, in 1970. So that's kind of where the origins came from. And I started to look through the files on that and, and, and see where, where else the company was working on these kinds uh, of issues. Um, and so it, it examines the work of the Company of Young Canadians, which um, uh, is a federally or was a federally sponsored community development program that operated between 1966 and 1976 and, it, and, and its relationship to that emerging environmental movement of the early 1970s. And so I think it sort of uh, draws upon and extends a lot of the work that has been produced lately on grassroots environmental um, activism, um, as well as, and I think this is going to be one thing that people will take away from it, is the, is the issue of government support for such ventures in the Canadian um, context. So largely it examines how that how the company became, I call it kind of a midwife to initiatives that began to grapple with issues of what could broadly be called sustainable development. So projects that were concerned with uh, directly with environmental effects of air and water pollution, but also to the emerging urban countercultural communes and cooperatives experimenting with things like recycling and organic food production. Um, so that's, that's generally where, where it goes. Um, and I think 
as the as the the piece points out, most of these projects were concerned mostly with economic and social development. Uh, mm -hmm. The CYC was uh, considered when it was created by the Pearson government in 1966 to kind of shock troops on the war on poverty. So most most of the issues it addressed were economic and social development. Um, but it also then I think branched out to see the ways in which um, issues that linked people, land, and their communities could be thought about in more broadly uh, sustainable ways. And so that's why I use the term sustainable development, even though it did not become broadly popular until pretty much a decade after the company ended um, its operations, because it did link issues of economic, social justice, and the ecological impacts of human activity together. So, yeah, um, I, I think so the articles really timely too like um in in so many of the books in canadian history on environmentalism i was seeing references to the company of young canadians in mm -hmm. ryan o'connor's book in uh, colin coates's edited collection on countercultures uh mm -hmm. kathleen rogers book on war resistors the cyc was kind of coming up in a whole bunch of different places yeah and it does it it, it pops up all over the place by the time it finished in the uh uh, by 1976, it had sponsored somewhere in the neighborhood of about 600 individual projects across the country. Now, some of those kind of popped up and last, lasted for six months. Some of them went for years. Um, and it was involved in a, as some of the things that don't make it into the, into the paper, but it was also involved uh, in the, um, uh, the rise of uh, the Dene Nation and its um, uh, opposition to the Mackenzie Valley Pipeline. Um, so there are obviously broader environmental issues, uh, other um, uh, volunteers who worked for the company uh, in Northern Ontario, uh, even though they never became official CYC projects, some of the people who were involved in that region, uh, north of Thunder Bay, uh, were also, also became involved in the um, protest over uh, Grassy Narrow. So mm -hmm. it does have its kind of... Um, tentacles into a lot of different uh into a lot of different areas uh in that in that regard so what do you think that other researchers might take away from your findings or what do you hope that they'll they'll take away from this paper um i think that uh the, one of the biggest things is is to go back to that mantra right of the environmental movement right to sort of think global but act local and i so i think that uh and some some more of the uh, recent publications uh, that have come out in the last year or so um, uh, are starting to look very much at the local level, what was going on at the local level, um, because much of it did happen um, at the grassroots, and I think probably even continues to happen at the grassroots in individual, um, in individual communities. And so mm -hmm. even though the paper begins with the link to Greenpeace, right? That huge global giant in the in the environmental movement. Um, mm -hmm. I think if we focus solely on those larger ones, we may we may be missing a lot of what was happening, and what it continues to happen. I think at the uh, at the local level, um, and so I think part of that was the strength of what was going on, um, but it was also in some ways a weakness. And I think the paper notes that where um, where communities or organizations could link together um, and share strategies, which I think didn't necessarily happen all that much in this early period. But when they did, so I'm thinking of the group I look at in, in Vancouver that linked issues around air pollution and water pollution 
then linked into um, the uh, uh, potential uh, uh, second crossing of the um, uh, uh, the Burrard Inlet, right? The mm -hmm. uh, the bridge construction, um, and so there was opposition groups to that, but based largely even just in urban communities who would then see a freeway going through their backyard. But then they started linking it into how do we how do we think about this in larger terms? So also linking into um, movements for public transit, uh, which mm -hmm. would then have larger implications in terms of economic, social, but also ecological sustainability. So, and, and th that way, you know, some of those projects became uh, much more successful, right? Uh, in, that, um, uh, in that regard. The other thing I think that people will take away is that link between the state and emerging environmental movements. So the CYC was obviously government sponsored. Uh, it operated at first as a crown corporation um, with, with a good arm's length um, from the government. That arm's length was reduced after 1970, but still largely operated as a kind of free agent um, in the field. Mm -hmm. But it was also working with a ton of other programs, which people really haven't tapped into. So opportunities for youth, uh, mm -hmm. the local improvement um, program sponsored by Urban Affairs, but you could also probably look at uh, the Department of Regional Economic Expansion, DRE. You could look at the Department of Health. I think that government um, archives uh, in this regard will turn up a lot. And then we're not even looking at what's going on at the provincial level either, because the pro mm -hmm. provinces were starting to move into this as well. So really that kind of seed money that came in in the early 70s around citizen participation and, on, and, uh, and all of that, I think was really, really um, crucial uh, in that regard. So would the Canadian environmental movement be as strong as it was, is without that kind of thing? And so we think today largely about kind of macro policies, carbon taxes, all of those other kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, the government's announcement yesterday, Trudeau government's announcement yesterday of, of starting up um, a grant for volunteer action among, um, among youth. Mm. Um, so could this be used for environmental type projects? Can volunteering at the local level to work on, on issues uh, concerning um, the environment, environmental sustainability, um, would, will this give it a boost? We don't know. Um, but, but certainly in the area of the era of the 1970s, there was a, a, a time at which um, the kind of desires among young people and, and others um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, to, to get involved in this movement were, were being supported um, um, by government, right? And obviously government can give and it can take away, <laughs> um, but, um, and it can shape it obviously can shape those movements by giving to certain groups and not to others. But, um, but I think there, there might be, um, there might be sort of important policy um, implications for, for the current day, I think, in that regard. And then I think the last thing is that that larger issue where we think about sustainable development. And I think we think of it mostly now as ecologically sustainable and certainly in the midst of, what we're looking at here in a climate emergency, there might be very good reason to do so. Mm -hmm. And so, but I think it also um, shows that we need to be cognizant and respect other elements of that kind of triad, right? In terms of economic sustainability and, and, and other things as well, because certainly clearly that's on people's minds and it certainly was on the minds of most 
um, of those of the projects that I look at. Most of them thought about sustaining a lifestyle, certainly in terms of the counterculture. Others thought about sustaining their communities in light of, um, you know, certainly single industry towns. Uh, I'm thinking of Sydney and the coal mines, which were which were which were disappearing. Um, but also trying to link those strategies together, right? How do you um, uh, how do you link them? So most people came, I think, or more people were coming to the environmental movement, sort of thinking about in terms of how do they sustain their communities? How do they sustain their livelihoods? Uh, mm -hmm. All of those other kinds of things. And I think in that regard, um, it, it made them grapple with those processes of modernization and globalizations, right? That were making their, their towns and industries no longer sustainable, but how then they could turn to see that that might be true of how that works also at the ecological level as well. Mm -hmm. So in other words, people didn't necessarily follow a straightforward path to environmental politics. Uh, in that um, uh, in that regard, so I think that that might be uh, an important takeaway. And I mean, it, you you've answered this a little bit um, in your answer here, but it, I wonder yeah. if you could elaborate a little bit more on where you think these findings fit in the the current scholarship in environmentalism. Um, I think it was Stephen Bocking who wrote years ago that you know environmental historians seem to be um, focused very. Um, uh, intently on trying to find the origins of environmentalism, but mm -hmm. in Canada and it seems around the world that there are more than than one origin point. And in the Canadian context, we've got so many books and articles now from different parts of the country that show mm -hmm. a kind of concurrent um, movement that is not actually connected nationally. But here in your case study, you've got a national program that seems to have mm -hmm. had some impact on environmentalism as a, as a phenomenon. Yeah, and I think that that's like, I, I think that's true. I mean, going back, when it was one of the one of the failings of the company, right? It's called the Company of Young Canadians, but it focused mostly on communities and allowed communities to direct what their volunteers uh, uh, did for them or did with them, right? Volunteers mm -hmm. were supposed to basically find and develop local leadership and work with individual groups on the projects that they believed were most pressing for their concerns and their needs and desires. Um, and so that was one of the failings of the company in that regard is that, you know, people joined the company and they thought of themselves as these kind of, you know, because it was launched in the, in, you know, in the up, uh, the lead up to, to the centennial and all the rest of that. And yet it never had a kind of a national strategy uh, and could never explain itself to Canadians in that way. Um, and so so like, I think I try and get across is, you know, it was kind of one of its greatest strengths, but also one of its greatest weaknesses in that regard, in that there did not seem to be a lot of crosstalk, both within the company um, uh, about, you know, how, how do we, how do we turn, um, you know, how do we draw on the example of what's going on in the forests of New Brunswick and Quebec to what's going on, um, you know, in indigenous communities in Northern Alberta, mm -hmm. uh, to what's going on in urban, you know, Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal. So, um, so, so I think, yeah, it's, we've got these kind of disparate movements that are going on. Not a lot of them are necessarily talking to one another, even within a broadly mm -hmm. based or overarching organization <laughs> known as the Company of Young Canadians um, in, that, in that regard. So, so answering those origins questions, I think will be, I think it's still maybe important in that regard. Um, 
but it seems certainly in this early period that we have people are, are maybe you know again thinking globally and acting locally but they're certainly not thinking nationally right um in, in that um uh in that sense um uh and maybe they're they're tied in to to other groups um certainly greenpeace the sierra club which are which are sort of at the heart of what's going on in vancouver mm-hmm. um uh but not a lot in that in that kind of national uh, in that national context, right? Uh, in mm-hmm. that um, uh, in that regard. Um, but again, you know, a lot of this is also bubbling up from the grassroots uh, and the mm-hmm. ways in which some of those sort of large we shouldn't necessarily see it as a top-down movement, right? Um, mm-hmm. In that regard, much of the sustainability of those organizations, <laughs> right, was driven by what was going on in local chapters. Um, uh, and, and in local, uh, very, very localized uh, places in that, um, uh, in that regard. Right. Well, I think uh, there is a lot in this uh, new article uh, for yeah. readers to uh, learn more about uh, the company of young Canadians and environmentalism and the emergence of ideas of sustainable development. Uh, I'd encourage all listeners to go and take a look at the full paper uh, up at uh, Papers in Canadian History and Environment. Thanks so much, Kevin. All right. Thank you very much. Take care. Nature's Past is produced with support from the Network in Canadian History and Environment. This episode was made by Kevin Burchette and me, Sean Courage. Music for Nature's Past was licensed by Creative Commons. For details on the artists, please take a look at our show notes at niche-canada.org slash naturespast, where you can also download new episodes, subscribe to the podcast with your favorite podcast player, and leave comments. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash naturespast. You can always find out more about environmental history research in Canada from the Niche website at niche-canada.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another episode of Nature's Past. Nature's Past.